This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, Episode 93. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today is the January monthly round of episode. So in this episode, I'll be going through my takeaways with my interviews this month with Heather DeSantis from episode 90, Danny Vega from episode 91, and Douglas James from episode 92. So first up is Heather DeSantis from episode 90. Uh, so Heather and I had a great discussion about her life and about her business. She is a uh, PR expert, public relations expert, and it was cool to have her on the show because personally I wasn't very familiar with public relations and what public relations could do for people uh, with businesses and especially with online businesses. And it was cool to talk to her because you know she explained kind of what she did, what the importance of public relations was, and, uh, and how really uh, public relations could help people uh, online and kind of the beginning of the conversation, you know, she, she was talking about, um, options for growing your business. And, you know, she was saying a lot of people who are online entrepreneurs, they're focused only with growing their business using online means. So social media and Facebook ads and things like that, sending emails, whatever. Uh, but she was saying they're missing the boat because there's so many alternatives to this, uh, to grow your business offline. And there's such a, uh, the thing I liked about it that I thought was really interesting is there's, there's really a big opportunity there um, to grow your business because everyone who's online is focused on these same online means and not a lot of people are focused on the offline means. So, for example, some of the things we talked about was getting television interviews and getting radio interviews and doing you know print advertising and getting on podcasts. Now, a lot of people are, are doing podcasts and that's you know, a, a pretty popular thing, but I think a lot of people aren't doing it as much as they should doing podcast interviews to try to get the word out about their businesses and themselves and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, uh, but you know, some other things that, you know, I started thinking about after this, this conversation was, uh, conversations that I've had with other people about other offline means to grow your business. Like for example, you know, I ran into a guy who was saying like, what he started doing is, you know, he saw like email marketing is kind of is dead. And, you know, it's, it still works. Of course, a lot of people are making plenty, plenty of money doing email marketing, but it's much harder than it used to be. Uh, you have to send a lot more emails. You have to be a lot more clever to figure out how people to get people to, to open their emails and actually read the email and even more so to actually opt in and do whatever it is that you actually want them to do with that email. Um, but, uh, you know, he, what he was saying is, is he's actually doing um, going back to print mailers, to doing those uh, flyers that you you know you get in your <laughs> in your mailbox, uh, you know most people would consider it junk mail, and uh, he was saying that like he's getting a, a ton of uh, return on those, which I thought was interesting because I usually just kind of toss those things in the trash can, but then when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, you kind of do the same thing with your with your email, right? If if it's not from someone that you personally know or something that you personally requested, and and even if you requested it, if it's not something that's like immediately relevant, you know, you're just going to ignore it or delete it or, or something like that. Um, but he was saying that he's having a lot of effect, uh, a, a positive, uh, effects with these mailers. And I was like, well, that's, that's interesting because, you know, mailers were the thing to do before the internet. And then, you know, that got saturated and people moved to the internet. So that's kind of died out a bit. And so people aren't getting as many mailers and aren't expecting it, uh, especially with businesses that are, uh, focused 
online. And so that could be an avenue to, to actually explore. And so I just like this conversation with Heather just talking about these kind of alternative means of getting your, getting your voice out there, getting your presence out there um, and, and doing that sort of stuff. And one other thing that was important in that conversation is, you know, we kind of went into Heather's background a little bit and she was talking about, you know, growing up in a family and how in her family there were a good number of entrepreneurs and uh, she also grew up in a family that had, a, a, you know, a decent amount of money. I mean, we weren't, she wasn't very specific about what that meant and how much money, but, you know, I, you know, I assume that, you know, her family pretty well off. And she said that the, the good thing about that was it taught her, one, that being an entrepreneur is not something just for a certain type of person, right? She, she grew up with family members that, you know, she doesn't consider superheroes. And I think in, in certain respects, some people who don't have a lot of access to entrepreneurs, they have this impression that they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, superhuman uh, individuals, that that they're doing these things that are, you know, really, really difficult. And when you have people around you who, you know, are just kind of regular everyday individuals, you know, you're sure if it's your father or your uncle or your, you know, cousin or, you know, your, your mom or, you know, grandmother, whoever it may be, any sort of close relationship, even if it's not exactly a family member, but just a close friend or, or a close family friend, like that can have a really impact on you because you see that person every day and you, and they're not superhuman to you because you're so used to them. And then, so it becomes a lot more possible in your mind to go and do the same thing. And I think that's what exactly what happened with Heather is since she grew up in a family with these entrepreneurs, it made entrepreneur being an entrepreneur not seem like this untouchable thing. Uh, the other thing that was interesting is that she talked about the importance of growing up with money because it kind of showed her what money can do, like the, 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 the sort of conveniences you can pay for, um, and quite frankly, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it's interesting because money is almost kind of like this taboo topic that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And like, it's, it's almost shameful to have money. But for me, I mean, you know, I'm actually, I want my son to have the same experience that Heather did. You know, I want him to grow up, um, being, seeing entrepreneurs, seeing his entrepreneurial dad doing things. So he doesn't feel like entrepreneurship is this really tough thing that's, insurmountable if that's the direction he chooses to go. Maybe he won't decide to go that route. That's fine. But if he does, at least he has an example of someone that he can follow that, you know, isn't superhuman, right? And then also the 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 aspect of growing up and having a decent amount of money so that he can see the benefits of of having money. And that also doesn't necessarily mean that he'll grow up and want to want to have those things or want to have, you know, the money. But the great thing about having money is that you can always not spend it, right? You can be like Warren Buffett and still live in the same house that you lived in when before you became super wealthy. You know, it's just, but you have the option whether or not you want to spend it or not spend it, as opposed to not having the money, you don't have an option. It's just, it's the decision is made for you. Um, so I thought that was as interesting that she kind of brought that out. And I thought about that. It made me just think about the same thing for myself and my family and kind of the example that I want to set uh, for, for, uh, for my son. Um, and so another thing that we talked about, um, which was, which was super interesting is, uh, she said that, you know, it's great to get on TV and it's great to get these kind of PR things going. But she was like, if you don't have any sales, uh, PR does not equal sales, right? You're not going to go on TV and automatically get a whole lot of sales. Now I know that there are certain people who have like, you know, they've gone on Oprah or whatever, and they're, company wasn't selling that much. And all of a sudden, you know, the Oprah effect happened and now they're getting lots of sales. But I think what, what, what her, what Heather's point was, was that it's not necessarily going to be automatic. Like what, what getting on TV is going to do is it's going to give you credibility, 
right? People see you on TV and they automatically think like, oh, well, if a national TV or local TV station thought this person was good enough to bring them on to interview them, then they must be somewhat of a credible individual. And therefore, I'm curious to learn more about their business. And usually that's what, what you're going to get out of it. And then you can also use that interview or clips from the, uh, the, the interview or whatever it may be to, you know, circle around on social media to get yourself even more recognition from that. So that's kind of, you know, it's like you're getting some recognition from the initial interview and then you're able to use that uh, and, and, and spin it a lot more to get even more recognition for your business. Uh, and so that's, that's the kind of the, the power um, of, of PR. And, uh, and Heather also talked about like early on in her business, kind of what she needed and what she didn't need. And she said that, you know, early on she had kind of the, you know, shiny object syndrome that a lot of people have, like, it's like, oh man, I have to, I got to go to all the conferences and I have to like, you know, read every email and listen to every podcast and like, you know, buy every course and all this stuff. And then she realized that, you know, she was kind of wasting a lot of money on a lot of these conferences and things. And really what she needed was to surround herself with people who could really help her, who could fill in those gaps that she didn't have. Um, and so she, what she did was, you know, she said it was much, it would have been much better for her to just um, build a team of people and have those people constantly around her so she could um, use their expertise to grow her business. And if she were to do, all, do it all again, she would kind of skip uh, a lot of those skips of spending tons of money on courses and conferences or whatever, and then just, but instead surround herself with the right people. And I assume in that she also met like mentors and individuals who she personally can reach out to when she needs help and ask questions about things. Um, Another thing is she was talking about how, you know, she didn't, she didn't have a website when she first got started and she grew her business, uh, through organic referrals and based on the work that she had done. And I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who have said this Petra Foster, uh, was another person that I interviewed who she was, she's a business coach and she's talked to, she, she recommends that for a lot of her clients who are just starting out, who haven't, you know, made a lot of money yet. Like forget the website, forget all that stuff. Like just work with people one-on-one and build those relationships and get clients that way. And then once you've kind of validated that your services is something that people want, then you can go out and get a website or whatever else. So it's, it's interesting that these different kind of perspectives of like, what do you need and at what stage, but I've definitely heard a lot of people say that, you know, a website is definitely not something you need fresh out of the gate. Um, so, you know, some people agree, some people don't agree, but it's a, it's a, it's a perspective to, to consider, uh, when starting your business. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, another thing that, that, um, that Heather talked about that I, that I thought was interesting is, you know, she brought up the point that, um, you know, online is so saturated with internet entrepreneurs and offline, uh, doing personal networking, speaking at conferences, getting on TV is kind of this, uh, area that's, it's not untapped of course, but it's less saturated. It, you don't see the same voices on those platforms. So, Yes, there are a lot of people doing TV interviews, but are there a lot of people who are in the same niche that you're in, targeting the same audience that you're targeting, doing TV interviews, right? And that's kind of the point is like, even if you're competing against, you know, for attention with all these other people who are doing TV interviews, if you're targeting a specific market and you have something that they want and no one else who's doing typical interviews is talking about the, the sort of topic and solutions that you're talking about, you're going to be able to stand out a lot more uh, offline than you will with, you know, Facebook ads or you know, um, emails and that sort of thing, because everyone and their mom is doing the same thing online and talking about the same stuff online. So it's just another, another perspective to consider. So that's why, that's what I, I took away from it and really liked. 
so next up was Danny Vega from episode 91. So Dana, Danny is the uh, Facebook ads expert. He has a Facebook ads agency as well as a course. Um, and one of the things that I thought was super powerful about Danny's story was that, you know, he talked about early on how he first escaped his nine to five job. And he said that he did that through these work, various work from home opportunities. Um, and so he mentioned a couple websites that he would go to. Um, and one was uh, rat race rebellion. And the other one was work at home moms.com. Uh, and, you know, he was saying he would just go on those sites and go to the forums and look for different opportunities to do things um, to make money. And, you know, he mentioned things like inbound call center and tech support and certain jobs like that. And I guess, you know, he found a lot of reputable uh, companies and reputable opportunities um, to work for and, and really was able to replace his nine to five income with, with these, with these jobs and work from home, cut out his commute. So I, I really like that because I was like anybody who's looking to kind of side hustle their way into whatever their online business dream is, maybe your nine to five is kind of draining you. And maybe you just want to get out of that, still support yourself, still make money because you might not be making the kind of money that you need in your business yet. But this is kind of a way to, to, I guess, get out of the nine to five, get more control of your freedom, uh, get more control of your time, and maybe even more control of your money while you're building that business and still side hustling your way toward what you really want to do. Um, another thing that, that Danny shared that I thought was super interesting was uh, he talked about the importance of thinking outside the box to get clients. And, um, you know, in that conversation, um, we talked about you know, a lot of things that he had done. And so one of the things that he said he, that he did to get some of his first, um, first clients was that, you know, he saw an opportunity to work as a consultant for a business who was trying to grow and get more leads. And he realized he was like, look, I could, I could, yes, I could go out there and do what they're asking me to do, which was, you know, kind of this part-time gig of building leads for them, or I could sell them on an opportunity to become a client of my agency and sell them on, Hey, I can actually go out there and build Facebook ads for you and get you a lot more leads and we can build, build this out a lot better and do a lot more for your, for your business than just what you're hiring me to do. So we kind of leverage this part-time job offering into, you know, essentially making them a client for his, for his newly started business, which I thought was super interesting. Um, and I just like that kind of thinking outside of the box method of, of getting clients. It's not always the, it's not always the most straightforward thing that works. And a lot of times it's, it's, you know, kind of, doing the unconventional thing that actually gets you what you want. Um, and he mentioned that when he's, you know, he's, he's trying to get a client to come on, he said, you know, businesses don't care uh, about what you're doing to get them leads. All they care about is that you're getting the leads. Uh, so he said, when you're trying to sell your services, if you're like a Facebook ads expert, for example, he said, you don't want to sell them on the fact that you run Facebook ads. You want to sell them on the fact that you can get them leads, right? Because that's what they care about at the end of the day. And he said, most businesses don't just want to focus on Facebook um, to get leads. So if you're selling yourself as a Facebook ads expert, then one, not only do you just get you know, throwing in the same bucket with everyone else who's selling themselves as Facebook ads experts, but also the business is like, well, I don't necessarily care about Facebook. I just want you to get this done. Now it could be a differentiator if you're a Facebook ads expert and you can do some other things to mention. You clearly don't want to not mention that you're an expert in Facebook ads, but I think it makes sense that you're, you're selling them on the bigger picture, the end result, which they actually want of getting leads. And then you're just telling them, you know, my method of doing this is through Facebook ads, but you're not making the fact that you Facebook ads, the differentiator, because unfortunately in this day and age, that's not a differentiator. It's a commodity. So many people are doing it. It's just, 
not really a thing to focus on. So I like, I like Danny's perspective, uh, on that. Um, and then he said, when he was talking about like, how, you know, we had a great conversation about him getting students into his course. Uh, and he said that the, the, the thing that he really used most to get students into his course was actually his Facebook group. Uh, and he said that he one day just had an, had an idea and it's like, you know, I need a Facebook group. So he decided to, to start one. And he said what he did was he just went in the group every day and, you know, he just answered questions. You know, people, people had questions. He went in there and did Facebook Lives every single day, breaking down his campaigns and breaking down his ads, just being super helpful. He said he was doing like 10 to 15 helpful posts a day, which I know it seems like a lot. I mean, you know, it's like going live every single day in the group, doing 10 to 15 posts a day, answering questions. I mean, he said that he said managing his group was like a full time job. But the great thing about it was at the end of the day, like that paid off for him because he started this group and um, within 11 months, he grew this group to over 30,000 people, you know? So, I mean, that's a huge audience of people that you can reach out to, you know, at any time he's doing these lives, he's sending messages to them, he's getting lots of engagement and he just has this captive audience that he can sell to um, with his, his, his course. And he's been able to sell, uh, lots of people into the course and he's had over 700 students go through this course and uh, he's become a click funnels to comma club member uh, as a result of it so clearly it's super successful and uh, I like his strategy for growing his his uh, Facebook group and I think that's um, you know really putting yourself out there throwing out so much value like giving people really no reason not to become part of the group is really a, a great way to grow it and uh you know another thing i asked him was i was like you know you're putting out all this content like how do you how do you prevent uh yourself from i guess really giving away the farm right you're you're you have a course that you want to sell but if you put out all of your content for free uh how do you then convince people to buy the course and he said he's not really worried about that because one a lot of people already have their most of their courses kind of dripped out on videos and through emails and that sort of thing but but really with a course people are paying for um, the relationship with you to be able to answer questions, but also they're paying for the convenience of having all that stuff nicely packaged together, right? If you're, you know, you have YouTube videos out there and you're explaining stuff, but it's like, who wants to spend the time to like, okay, figure out like, where should I start? And which YouTube video should I watch first? And like, what order should I do things in? And what do I need to learn now? And like, whatever else, um, how do these things all fit together? And a lot of times it's just much more convenient to just pay for the course that has everything organized in a way that's going to teach you step by step exactly what you need to know and and exactly how to do it. So I think it does make sense that you can just, you know, put your best content out there and just, um, you know, use that as a mechanism to attract an audience and not be afraid that that will lead them to not buying your course or will, you know, make them upset if they do buy the course and they realize a lot of the content is the same. Um, so I, I like Danny's perspective um, from uh, from that from that angle. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I think the other thing that we talked about that I, that I thought was super interesting is, uh, he said he used a lot, a lot of alerts. So Google alerts, for example, to stay in touch, stay up on the industry and to become an, and to stay as an expert in the industry. Uh, because you know, things are always changing and no matter what platform you're on, no matter what you're selling is always changes. There's always new competition. If you don't really know what's going on in the marketplace, how things are changing and how that's going to affect your business. Um, you can, you know, be incredibly negatively affected and be left behind and, and have someone come up and really take your business from you. So it's important to, uh, be on top of that, know what's going on and, and having those alerts can be a great way to, um, to, uh, to, to, to stay on top of the industry and stay on top of, 
your expertise. So last up this month was Douglas James from episode 92. And Douglas is also a, uh, a Facebook ads expert. Um, he you know, has a Facebook ads agency. He has a Facebook ads uh, academy in which he teaches people Facebook ads. But what I thought was interesting about Douglas is that, you know, he, you know, he took a lot of risk. He was saying that, you know, he was in the military and, um, you know, I guess he just really wasn't interested in school that much. His parents kept pushing him to like, you know, wanting to become a doctor or a lawyer or some sort of profession that I guess they thought would, would lead to success and financial security. And uh, he just wasn't interested in that. So they said, okay, well, at least, you know, join the military, do that until you retire, and then you'll have a great pension. At least you'll be able to have somewhat of a secure life. But uh, after being in the in the Navy for a while, um, he came across a course that somebody, somebody was selling on how to start an SEO agency. And uh, he spent more money on this course than I think I've ever heard anyone say they've spent on a course, especially being their first kind of course purchase. I mean, I think most people kind of start out with, you know, $100, $200, maybe even $500 or $1,000. Douglas spent $8,000 <laughs> on this first course. Um, but it paid off. Uh, and it paid off in a big way. I mean, he said that he he dropped $8,000 on this course. But after doing that, within two months after setting up this agency, he was making $20,000 a month. So, I mean, you know, if you could, <laughs> I'm sure it was a gamble. I'm sure everyone that took this course didn't have the same results that Douglas did, but it certainly paid off for him. I mean, he, he made more in the first, you know, in those first two months, you know, out of the gate than the, the entire course cost. So it was definitely a great investment. And so, you know, 20 K a month is, is definitely, uh, you know, pretty amazing. So he was able to pay off all his debt. He said, he said he had like $30,000 in debt. He was able to pay off all his debt and start this agency and just start living a, a much different life. Um, and, uh, and, and from there, you know, he decided that he, uh, wanted to build this out into something even more powerful than he had before, uh, and just kind of get as many clients as he could and, and, uh, grow his agency. But he ran into a big roadblock and the big roadblock was the Google penguin update. And, uh, and so he said like, after that update, like all of his, um, all of his clients essentially, fell away uh, because all their sites that he had spent so much time and money ranking and moving up uh, uh, in Google had basically fallen away. Some, you know, instead of being on page one, went to page 10, he said some just disappeared altogether. Uh, and so that was a huge struggle that he had uh, in his business. And he, and he said that he had to, he had to pivot, you know, he was making $20,000 a month and he had to find another way. So what he decided to do um, was, to find something else that he could work with. And so when that next thing became Facebook ads and um, he didn't do the same route that he did to learn SEO, which was by course, he tried to learn on his own. So he went out there and he was watching YouTube videos and reading uh, different blog posts and things. And he struggled a lot. And he said with his first clients, um, he tried to convert a lot of his SEO clients over to Facebook ad clients and said, you know, the SEO thing's not working. Let's try Facebook ads to get leads. And he failed pretty miserably. Uh, and he wasn't able to get his clients, uh, the leads that he thought he would able to, he was able, to, he would be able to. And unfortunately, a lot of his clients left him as a result. And so, but, but the powerful thing about it is he didn't give up. He kept going on, he kept persevering. And uh, he was able to eventually figure out Facebook ads. And he said, if he were to do it again, what he would have done was the same thing he did with SEO, which was 
go out there and buy a course, hire a mentor, find someone who was an expert in this area to really show him the ropes so that he wouldn't spend so much time struggling and really so much money, uh, not just in um, buying other, you know, less expensive things, but also in the time that he had. I mean, you know, before he was able to make $20,000 a month within two months, and uh, he spent a lot of time struggling, which, you know, he might not have had the, the same struggle if he had just hired a mentor or just, you know, paid someone um, who was an expert and who was making the kind of money that he wanted to make or even more to show him the ways. Um, and so that's uh, that's something I thought was super cool. And he was also saying that, you know, he uh, I was asking how he's able to differentiate himself out there in the world because everybody and their mom right now is a Facebook ads expert. And he said that, you know, he does it just by um, – being real with people, showing real results, and just like not holding back on anything, similar to what Danny was saying, but but you know just really really showing the results out there, and and that just takes people's BS meters way down because they can see you're the real deal. They can see you're not just someone who's um, taking a course last week and now they want to now you want to sell them into uh, some other products. Um, and so that's that's basically the strategy that he, that he took. He was able to build up his agency and make uh, the, the the income that he was making before, the $20,000 a month that he had lost, back again. And now he's, he's really successful, and he's launched his Experts Academy to kind of help other people who were looking to do the same thing and not struggle the same way that he did um, to, to be able to do that and to find a way. Um, so those are my takeaways for the month of January. I want to thank you for being awesome and joining me on another episode of the Internet Ballers Podcast. Be sure to listen next week where I'll be talking with Molly Mahoney and we'll be discussing how to grow your audience uh, using Facebook Live. So in the meantime, you can check out the show notes for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode. 